around, say hello to someone, and then please be seated. What a great week we've had thus far. What a great month as we wind up the month of August. It's been tremendous. Just think about all the souls, all the folks that have been influenced for heaven and encouraged in the Christian life through the fair and other outreaches. It's been wonderful. This is one of the highlights of the year. We really look forward to it. And I'm sorry that it's passed, but it doesn't have to end. We can carry on and we're going to do that. In fact, uh, you have seen out here as you came in the sign, the freestanding sign, and it is Phil America. Our version of it is Phil Virginia. And we are signing up uh, for how many tracks we uh, plan to give out. And many of you have, how many of you have purchased tracks already? Good investment. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something special, Daquan. This Saturday, we have visitation at 10 a.m., correct? Everybody who shows up and shows up on time, I'm going to give you some free tracks on top of what you purchased already. You say, that means I'll have to give them out. That's right. There is a method to my madness, all right? We're keeping track of um, the number of people who participate in distributing a minimum of one track to another person, another human being, not just leaving it somewhere, but giving it to another person. And last time... Uh, we had 44 individuals giving out tracts, and many of them giving out more than one. But this time, we would like to increase that, and I believe we could uh, increase it exponentially. Uh, 10% would be just, I think, a small increase. I think we could increase that by one-fourth, one-half, perhaps, over what we did before. We could have 50 or 60 people passing out at least one tract. Now, that would be a start, all right? And then the number of tracks passed out person to person. We have individual goals, but collectively we want to uh, be over the total that we had previously. It was just under 2,000, I believe, around 2,000. We want to increase that. Uh, the goal that was assigned me by a challenge, uh, all the pastors have been challenged to do 300 tracks. And we're going to, by the grace of God, hand on the Bible, by the grace of God, I am going to exceed and hopefully not just by one or two tracks, uh, Brother Daquan, not just by ten tracks. I hope to just blast right through that goal by the grace of God and give him all the credit for the energy that I have. That and the good food and the energy and the supplements my wife gives me. Amen. She's got some special breakfasts planned for me. She was telling me about them today. And I, I you know what? I am so excited about them. I think we're going to start tonight with breakfast. <laughs> we can have two or three breakfasts a day if you want to. But that's going to give me lots of energy. Amen? Amen. We need to have that. So on the job, wherever you are, pass these out. And you come 10 o'clock this Saturday, I'll give you some free tracks on top of the tracks that you have purchased. We're going to do a great... Uh, Track distribution. And then door hangers also. Um, I believe Tina has made up, I think, 240 additional door hangers. It would be great if we could do that each week. We would exceed our total. It'd be po it's possible. It's possible. But we, we need to get... Now, we talked about this, Daquan. We need to maybe double our numbers. I've got 700 doors lined up. Amen, amen, and amen. Amen. 
We can do it by the grace of God. We can. Amen. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Let's fill up America. And I'm prepared. If, if you're going to forget about that, I'm just going to put this right up here. It's actually an improvement in the, you folks out there online. You don't have to look at me. All right. So fill up America. Got the sign-ups and everything. Okay. Praise the Lord. Out there on the marquee, it says, invest in eternity by labor for the Lord. And that reminds us that this weekend is Labor Day weekend. And I know you've got things planned maybe for Monday. How many of you are going to break out the grill or maybe have it for the last time during the weather? I don't know. Some of you are going to be traveling. Some of you are going to go. Some of you are going to wait for Do they have sales on Labor Day? Probably. All right. Just be careful. All right. Be careful on spending your money. But... Um, all that going on this weekend, but uh, we are going to talk about laboring. We're going to honor laborers. We're going we're gonna to talk about how important this is. That's coming up this Sunday. Let's get a crowd out for that. Amen? Let's get some people in here, fill this place up. I know folks are traveling, but you know what? We, can, we could get at least as many fill-ins for those that are traveling this last hurrah, this last weekend before the fall really gets rolling. We can do it. If we all invite, we call in, uh, call in uh, you know, the, the debts that are owed us, and we say, here, I tell you what, we can clear the deck right now. You just come to church and sit in church with me, and that, that'll be it. We'll go to lunch, and, and we'll have a great time. There are lots of ways to get this thing done. So let's do it this weekend on Labor Day weekend. Praise the Lord, and be safe, and be be, uh, be wise about what you do, where you go, and who you're with. That's very important. We are going to also um, announce in advance coming up the following weekend. From 3 until approximately 6 p.m. on Saturday, September the 10th, we launch the 1700 series, the 17th year of Bible Institute. I just heard, and she may be watching, a lady just texted me and said for the first time, she is going to be in Bible Institute. Amen. So we're going to add to our numbers. We have about 200 that have tuned in online. We want to increase that number. We get several hundred more. And uh, we've had 50 or 60 graduates each year. Uh, we could double that. We can increase it anyway. Let's do our best. Session 1701 is Saturday, September the 10th. And uh, you can trust your King James Bible to be true. Genesis part 4 we're starting in chapter 37. We're talking about Old Testament Joseph. We only got a summary in Sunday school. And you, it was a good summary. It was, it was very positive and very practical. But we're going to go deep. We're going to apply some real uh, thought-provoking applications. We're going we're to be doing some things with Joseph. And uh, it's right there in the Word. The Holy Spirit's going to guide us. We're going to do some things you haven't seen previously. So you want to be part of that. You want to get somebody else to watch along with you. All right, let's plan on it. Now, uh, tonight, when we receive the offering, if you still want to get a love offering in for the Briones, let me just say, praise the Lord. We have raised enough uh, ministry rent money for 20 months. And all God's people said, 
Amen. Good job, Central Baptist and all of our extended church family. You know, we have people, I was looking at it, and, and I was telling my wife uh, the other evening, I walked in, and I said, Sweetie, you know what I've been thinking about? And I told her, I've been thinking geographically. I went across the map. I started over here on the west coast and ran across the Sun Belt. And from coast to coast, there are only two states that I do not know for a fact that we've got regular listeners, subscribers who tithe and give their offerings. Only two states. And then running up the east coast, most everything up, even into the northeastern states and across the Rust Belt and through the Midwest and the Rocky Mountains and on up into Alaska. We've got viewers in Alaska and all down uh, the western states. And we've got, we've got folks all over the place. And I want to say thank you, Jesus, for each and every one of you, local and around the country and around the world. Praise the Lord. It is wonderful. And folks are paying attention. And I'm glad that we can offer something that is solid that they can sink their spiritual teeth into. It's not, it's not this fluff. Uh, I visited a couple of sites, not to be critical, but to see what was coming out. Uh, a, a young man that we knew years ago is pastoring a certain church. So I looked it up. I was so disappointed, all fluff. All, you know, smoke and mirrors and dark. It looked like a nightclub in there. And, uh, you know, not the old paths kind of church like we love here. Amen. But instead, something modern and uh, unfortunately lacking. Wrong Bible. Wrong Bible version. And uh, I was disappointed. Now, I'm glad for any good they can come out of a place like that. And I'm not going to pray against it or call fire down on it. I'm not like, you know, the sons of thunder. I'm not going to do that. Glad for anybody who gets saved, anybody who gets blessed, you know. But I'm glad I've got the pure, unadulterated, untainted Word of God. Can I get an amen on that? You glad you got the Bible? I am. Amen. All right. Now, keep in mind that on the 11th of September, uh, we are going to be celebrating right here in church in a very godly way. Grandparents Sunday, amen. All the grandpas and grandmas and grandkids. And we'll set up a table. You can bring pictures of the grandkids, grandkids and you, and uh, we'll display that. All right, we'll have a great time. Also, we'll have visiting missionaries from Ireland. And you can ask questions of, you know, what do they eat in Ireland? And uh, uh, what do they speak in Ireland? And all that. And if you've got Irish... Blood coursing through your veins. All right, there you go. So plan to be here on the 11th. Don't miss out on those special blessings. And on through the month of September into uh, the fall, which begins uh, mid-September, and then uh, October, harvest month, and missions, yes. And our 59th anniversary as a church, amen, glory to God. And then into November... Thanksgiving, pre-Thanksgiving dinner, all church get together. Amen. On into the month of December, and we're going to acknowledge and celebrate the first coming of our Savior as we look forward to His soon second coming. Amen. And who knows, pretty soon, if God permits, 
2023. 2023. And we're going to celebrate some things in the Lord then as well. All right. You got your Bibles? We're going to talk about not yielding to temptation tonight. Turn with me, if you would, please, in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. It was a church in a vast population, trade route, a lot of sin, a lot of confusion among the church, and a lot of issues to be settled. And I like this. I like the fact that when we're on God's side, God is not the author of confusion. He is a God of order, and He wants things to be done right. How we do it, what we do, it needs to be right. It needs to be according to the Bible. Not creative according to how I feel or think, but according to what the Bible says. That's where we are. That's where we are going to be true. And so we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and the subject of immorality has been introduced quite suddenly at the beginning of this chapter. We talked about the subject of immorality. The word fornication is used, and fornication means any sexual activity outside of the perfect will of God, which is the bonds of holy matrimony. So anything. Uh, now, so there are people who consider certain aspects of, of uh, sexual activity outside of marriage to be somewhat normal, but it's all perverse and sinful according to the Bible, according to what God says. It's only supposed to be, it's supposed to be reserved for one man, one woman in marriage. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, with that as a backdrop, let's look at verse 6. Here's what he's saying to them about their response to the sin in the church. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Now, that leaven is an illustration. Leaven is yeast. And when you get yeast into a lump of dough, it permeates the entire lump. And he's saying sin, if tolerated, will permeate the entire church. It won't necessarily manifest as the same sin. But it is an attitude, it is a spirit of tolerance that will leave us open individually to wherever our weaknesses lie. So maybe your weakness is not in the area of immorality or inappropriate behavior with the opposite gender. Maybe your weakness has to do with addictions. Maybe your weakness has to do with uh, bad attitude, bad spirit, uh, hateful kind of treatment of other people, prejudice. You know what I'm saying. Everybody's got their weaknesses. The devil knows where our weakness lies. And that's where we're going to be tempted. And if we tolerate the sins of others, maybe it's uh, some type of some weird exchange on our part. If we tolerate each other's sin, then we can just go on in it, we think. No, no, the church is going to be disabled and hamstrung by the toleration of sin. We dare not tolerate sin in any form, in any venue. Wherever it manifests itself, it needs to be lovingly called out, named, called what it is, and dealt with <coughs> biblically. The sin of fornication, sexual sin, is to be avoided. Be, you run from it. Get away from it. That's what the Bible says. 
there are other things where you have to avoid meeting with certain people. Sins that, that arise out of social gatherings uh, require diligence on our part so that we avoid them. You might not be able to go to company parties and that sort of thing if that's your area of, of, of sin. And there are many, 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 many ways the Bible teaches us to deal with things. For example, there, there needs to not be a vacuum where we can fill it with that which is wholesome and good and spiritual. So fill up your heart, fill up your mind with that which is spiritual. We're to think on certain things, right? Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Make a list of the areas that we're supposed to think on things. That's intentional thinking. Why? Because there are some people whose weaknesses lie in the area of sins of the mind. So sins of the mind, sins of the flesh, sins of social order and, and uh, the compromise that takes place in order to rise through the ranks. There are all kinds of sins. You say, come on, preacher, list them for us. No, see, that just feeds the flesh. I'm not going to do that. But you know what I'm saying. There are some people, they have sins of the tongue. They, they, they speak out of turn. They gossip. They pass along uh, information. They speak down. They speak demeaning uh, to one another. They hurt. They cut each other with their tongues. You know what I'm saying. All right. So no tolerance on the subject of sin. No neutrality on the subject of sin. You have that which is of the world, the, death, uh, the, the world, the flesh, and the devil. You have that which is of the Spirit, the Lord, and the Word of God. All right. Now, moving on. Here we are. It says in verse 7, Purge out, therefore, the old leaven. Purge out. That's the methodology. Remove it. Get it out of there. Now, we're going to see what purging means here. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our, uh, our Passover is sacrificed for us. So Jesus Christ is our Passover, and uh, we know that the days of unleavened bread uh, were included in the Passover observance, and no leaven was allowed. So when we're honoring Christ with our life, that means we, we get sin out of our presence. We get sin out of our venues, out of our circles and out of our activities and so forth. So we purge it out. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Here's what it's saying. Paul is saying our life should be likened unto that clean, untainted, unleavened bread of the Passover season. We shouldn't have it tainted and permeated by such things as malice, wickedness, insincerity, untruth. Instead, there should be sincerity and truth. These are the examples given by the Apostle Paul. These are a good starting point, wouldn't you say? Let's start with that. Let's see. Let's get the malice out. Let's get the wickedness out. Let's get the lack of sincerity 
and lack of truth out, and let's be sincere and truthful. Amen. I wrote unto you in an epistle, look at this, not the company with fornicators. Now, the concept of companying means yoking up, as you're going to see in chapter 6, all right? Chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians, also chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians. You can draw a line or write the reference there. The companying means, it's talking about casual passing by a person, saying hello, being, uh, being a fellow human being and being kind in that sense to the person. But companying means yoking up, connecting with. In other words, we have to alter the relationship so that we do not enable sin. Are you listening to me? The point here is don't enable the sin. As friends, as family, as church, we don't enable the sin. We call it out. We go individually. We take another with us. Bring it before the church if we have to. But... Our whole purpose is to try to purge out the leaven. Our whole purpose is not to tolerate and company with and tacitly put our approval upon it. Now, there are some extremes we're going to talk about, and we don't want to be guilty of doing this in the energy and the witness of the flesh. Then we will be as wrong as they are sinning in the flesh if we attempt to deal with their sin in the flesh by our fleshly uh, attempts. You understand what I'm saying? You never, ever, ever, for example, you don't discipline a child in the flesh. You discipline a child in the spirit. That's the only way that a child will learn and will apply it spiritually and won't uh, have uh, hardness of heart toward the, the disciplining adult. Uh, you don't want that. You want them, when you discipline correctly, the child will be drawn to you, not repelled. And so it's very important you don't let your flesh... I've seen some adults who have gotten down on the level of the, of the disobedient child and acted like another child. Instead of a parent, a mom or dad, they act like a brother or sister. And they, they will do all kinds of childish things to try to discipline the child. That is absolutely wrong. You say, well, it worked. Oh, no. Uh, let's give it about 15, 20 years. I'll let you know if it works or not. That's, that's pragmatism. That's wrong. When we deal with a child's sin, we have to help them to understand they've not only violated mom's and dad's rules, but they have violated the order that God has established. God has put mom and dad in charge of raising them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And we're not disciplining them just because we can or just because we're bigger and stronger because I'm going to tell you, when he gets to be 15 or 16, he'll be bigger and stronger than you. And then the tables will be turned and he will beat the stuff out of you. So do not discipline based upon the fact that you're bigger and stronger. Do not, do not do it out of cruelty and meanness and out of the flesh. Instead, discipline spiritually. 
I am not saying that you should not have corporal punishment, chastisement. I am saying that it should be done preceded and followed by spiritual application so your child knows exactly where it's coming from. It's coming from God. Mom and dad are, are being obedient to God and, and God's going to take it out of their height if they don't. So that's what it's all about. We're trying to raise some folks that will be good citizens. Amen. All right. Amen. Amen. So I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. So an unrepentant sinner in the area of sexual impropriety is going to have to be dealt with some distance. There has to be some distance. You can't do anything that gives the appearance that you're saying you're okay. You're all right. You're just human, that's all. I'll give you an example in just a little bit. All right. Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or with idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. But now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner, with such an one know not to eat. So some of your fun times are going to be curbed. That's what it's saying. And there needs to be a reason given that I don't want you to think for one second that I approve of this sin that you have refused to repent of. Now let's suppose there's somebody and they're doing their best to give it to God. They're doing their best and you know that they are, then you should be an encourager and not a discourager. All right, move on. Here it is. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within. But them that are without, God judgeth. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Now, the words put away, if taken in their extreme uh, sense, would mean something awful, like, you know, put them to death. Now, there is a world religion that is becoming more and more uh, represented in our population here in the West. And that people, that group of people, uh, has a law. They have a name for it. And they attempt to put that law into practice even in our Western society. And if they are allowed to carry it out or if they carry it out and may be prosecuted later, they will actually do things as they would do in their own society, not here in the United States, but where they came from, and if a person is guilty of something, they will deal very harshly with them, even to the point of maiming or killing them. This scripture does not even indicate or hint at that. Put away from among yourselves that wicked person. It's not that. Secondly, there are those groups in our society and Christians who mean well, but who misinterpret the intent of the scripture here, who believe that this means uh, total, absolute uh, isolation and excommunication. In other words, having nothing to do with them. Some of these people you might work with. Some of these people might be members of your family and they have birthdays and they celebrate Christmas and Easter and so forth. And so there are going to be some adjustments that have to be made. 
And here's what the adjustment is. I believe that when we are near enough to a person that we can say something like this. Uh, we say, uh, I'm your friend, or I'm, we're, we're family, and I believe I can speak freely and in love. So I'm going to speak the truth in love. We cannot put our stamp of approval upon your uh, living outside of God's laws when you know better. Now, if you don't know better, we'll take you to the Scripture. But we're, in effect, uh, we're, we're, uh, we're having an intervention here. We're here to intervene and to say that we're going to pray that God will do whatever is necessary. Short, uh, we don't want Him to take your life or maim you or anything like that, but we want Him to show you in your physical and material life how, how uh, fruitless it is for you as a child of God that belong to God to live outside of the boundaries of His laws. And it's obvious that you're doing that and it's like you're, you're rubbing God's nose in it. That's wrong. And so because of that, we're going to step back. And we love you. We're going to be praying for you. We'll be spending more time praying for you than we would have spending time with you. We're going to, we're going to use this time to pray that God will bring you back. And so we're not putting our stamp of approval, nor will we give you, if, if they're involved in some activity. We will not give you money so that that will enable your sin. We're not going to do that. So we're backing away, not because we don't like you, not because we think we're better than you, but because we believe that God can use us as a channel to help you to come back to God. We want you to know that we love you with all of our heart, and this hurts us. My dad used to say that before he'd give me a whooping. He said, this hurts me more than hurts you. And, and it will hurt you. When you're dealing with adults and we're dealing with family and friends, it will hurt you. And so you're not excommunicating. And we as a church, we don't practice excommunication. Uh, we, we practice a form of church discipline. But it's not, it's not designed in the same way with the same intent and motivation that some religious organizations uh, do this. On the subject of temptation, a 17th century writer says there are two methods and two methods alone when you deal with this kind of sin among professing believers. Number one, avoid when you can. Two, when you can't avoid, turn your eyes to God. Away from the sin and to God. We realize that a failure to do anything, tolerance, will result in the spiritual hamstringing of our church. Therefore, we have to do something. What do we do? Well, first of all, preacher preaches on it. I teach on it like I'm doing tonight. When asked in counseling, I speak the truth in love. I've been asked very, very bold questions, very plain questions about... Uh, sexual sin. I've been asked questions about people engaging in sexual activity outside of marriage. People living together without the benefit of marriage. And I give a very clear answer. And when it involves people who are holding positions in the church that would be jeopardizing the testimony of the church, we have to step back and we have to deal with it in a disciplinary fashion. Hopefully it's not uh, to satisfy 
anybody's uh, fleshly application of, of uh, uh, retribution, saying, boy, it's about time. That's a wrong attitude. Check your attitude at the door. All right, it's, it's to bring people back to a place where they'll repent and they'll get right with God. It's never ideal. They'll never do it exactly the way you want it done. You can have a church meeting. We've done that where people stand up and they say they're sorry. They ask for forgiveness. Folks come by, hug necks, shake hands. Forgiveness is granted. But there may still be some feelings. There may still be some talk. It's never going to be perfect. Why? Because we're imperfect individuals. And quite frankly, some of the most wagging tongues on the planet are inside of fundamental churches. And sometimes the, the worst spirits and attitudes are inside Bible-believing churches. And I can't help that. All I can do is preach against it and, and pray that come invitation time, people get their hearts right with God. But that's, that's about the best we can do. I can recall a time when I received a phone call and sexual sin was confessed. It had occurred and was confessed over the phone. And uh, my wife can attest to this because uh, she wasn't on the phone at the time, but she heard my side of the conversation. And my approach was completely designed to bring that person to a point of complete brokenness, repentance. Am I right on that, sweetie? Brokenness and repentance. Now, I, I didn't get out the bullwhip and crack the whip. I didn't, I didn't get out the stick. There was somebody in this whole situation that actually said that uh, there, there should be a physical beating involved in this. We're talking about adults. No, there doesn't have to be a physical beating involved in this. I admit, I confess that as a kid growing up, I probably should have gotten some more spankings. And I confess that sometimes I think if a person got a good old-fashioned beating, it might bring them to their senses. But that doesn't correct anything. All that does is allow another sinner who happens to not be guilty of that sin to vent their frustration with that other person's sin. How wrong can that be? My Savior Jesus Christ hung on a cross and bled and died for all the stuff that we've ever done or will ever do. We are not in a position to give someone a beating, a licking. Instead, try to bring them to brokenness and repentance. So all of our chastisement and limitations and whatever, whatever the church may do in the form of loving discipline is designed to that end. If a person's not allowed to, to teach or to do whatever it is that they do in the church for a period of time, so be it. That's not designed to shine the light on them. That's not designed to embarrass or to demean them. Why? Because Jesus Christ has already taken all the pain and we just need to acknowledge the fact that we are wrong. And if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many of you believe what I've preached tonight? Amen. Let's go to prayer. Father, we thank you so much that you've given us the opportunity now to call out sin, call it what it is, to deal with it in counseling and even in church discipline sometimes. 
And I pray, Lord, that you'll help us now to be faithful in these areas. And we'll thank you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if God spoke to your heart tonight, if there's anything you want to pray about, we're going to have an invitation, and I trust that uh, folks will be dealing uh, with uh, anything in their own life. But if you're not saved, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And uh, right now, would you pray from your heart something like this. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. And right now, I receive the Lord Jesus into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? We're going to sing together. I must tell you. Thank you. Yes.